0: Thank you very much, Buzz Adams. Welcome back. Brand new week. Less than two weeks away from the start of college football season, UTEP football season. You know, I was never a drummer. I always wanted to learn to play the drums. I always loved banging on things when I was a kid. And I almost feel like if I was ever a drummer, this would be the coolest thing ever to play. Like, think about it. This is, without a doubt in my mind, one of the greatest drum solos to start any song ever, period, bar none. And when I was, let's see, 12, and this video came out, oh my God, that was uh, one of the highlights also. To me, as great a song as this drum solo is, the video is just as good. Just as good, Adrian brought us. Well, I love uh, me some Van Halen, Steve, and I agree with you. This
1: drum part is great. I haven't seen the video on YouTube, so I got to check that out. Uh, the music video to accommodate this, uh, that's got to be a must.
0: When you watch the video for the first time, maybe during a commercial break or something like that, yeah, just picture yourself about to um, hit puberty and seeing this for the first time. And, um, yeah, you, you never got tired of that video. That's that's for sure.
1: Ah, uh, so, I see what you're saying. Okay, I got anyway. you. All
0: right. Hey, listen, hope you had a great weekend. Hope all of you had a great weekend. Saw a bunch of people out at uh, the Back to School Expo on Saturday at Sierra Vista Mall. That was a lot of fun. Had a blast doing so. Um, you know, just seeing the traffic, people taking advantage, the tax-free weekend, and... Uh, no matter what they were doing, uh, whether they were watching the YMCA performance stage or uh, just checking out all the vendor booths, we had so many great vendor booths uh, there, saw a lot of people um, connected with, uh, you know, I connected with a uh, former uh, media league softball teammate of mine. She played first base for us back in the day, Christina Mumau, who is now the uh, longtime wife of Scott Mumau, whose son is uh, what was one of the best uh, high school baseball players in America's last year, and now playing college ball. So that was very cool. She was out there with uh, Vista Hills Dental, who was one of our booths uh, over there by uh, the JCPenney's area, and uh, it was great seeing her for the first time in a long time, congratulating her on, on her, uh, her son's success, and just one of many, many great things we had a chance to do Um, At the Back to School Expo. Um, I also had a chance to see uh, Heidi Castillo and her husband, Henry, who are now running a commercial kitchen called the Panzeretta Rose Foods Commercial Kitchen. And it was also really cool to see them because uh, Heidi, we used to do a lot of uh, work with her back when she used to have the, one of the uh, basketball tournaments in El Paso that she would run for kids. This goes back about 15, 20 years already, Adrian. So uh, it was great to see what uh, they're up to now. And uh, they were out there at the uh, expo and so many more people were there. And that was the fun part is just getting a chance to walk the mall, see all the vendors, see all the people and uh, just have a good time giving away all those backpacks every 20 minutes like we did over on Saturday.
1: Yeah, Saturday was awesome. Actually, across El Paso, there were a lot of great back-to-school events. So it just seemed like Saturday was the excuse to get out and shop for a lot of parents out there. So I loved it, loved uh, meeting a lot of different people. I'll uh, I'll plug some people that I got a chance to see and invite to the back-to-school expo as well. Uh, fencing school, Steve, yes, we have fencing in El Paso. Sal DeLong
0: Fencing School was out there. Uh, this weekend. They were great, by the way. I saw their performance on the demo stage. They were the last ones up, and uh, they did a terrific job.
1: Did you see did um, did you see their booth where they were busting out lightsabers because um they had lightsabers at their booth and they were showing people who wanted to come by how to actually like duel with lightsabers like these fake little lightsabers that really is cool.
0: cool that is very cool
1: yeah and then the e gaming side of things uh, G- MJ's gaming cafe was out there as well they had different tournaments going on for gaming and they were uh, giving away some different gift cards as well so they've got a gaming cafe they do it for VR they do it for uh, handheld held video games if you have them. So it was just a great time to be out there for the Back to School Expo. Saw Pater Pete, saw the UTEP uh, uh, Spirit Team as well, and they did a phenomenal job as they always do. Uh, Special shout-out to all the mascots who came out as well. I mean, it was just a great event. I really enjoyed being out there, talking to a lot of different people, and seeing the crowd. I thought it was one of our biggest crowds we've had in years. It was
0: huge. And by the way, I spent the morning out at um, UTEP football practice took a couple of 11-year-olds out there to watch that. They had a blast. Matter of fact, it was funny. But at the end of practice, they had to meet Tory Richardson. And I and I said to him, "Why do you want to meet Tory Richardson?" And they said, "Without a doubt, he's got the best drip." That was the response from uh, my son and his friend. So they got to meet Tory Richardson. In fact, after practice, they flagged him down. They like chased him down just to uh, take a picture with him, which I thought was very cool. But uh, they had a blast getting a chance to watch. And by the way, when I say watch, I mean, yeah, normally, you know, they like to play on the sidelines. And I'm like, no, no, no. If you're going to watch, you're going to watch. But they're at the age now where I think they're appreciating watching college football practice as much as anything else. So they were just out there on the sidelines checking it out and just having a great time.
1: Man, that is so cool. What a name for them to uh, follow. And Tory Richardson, somebody who didn't get a chance to play all of last year, but who expects to have a huge year this year as their starting corner. Last year was out before the season even started due to a quad injury that kept them sideline all season long. And this time around, he's going to be a, one of their featured shutdown corners on, on this defense. So, for them to pick number 8 in Tory Richardson, I love it. And I, I like his drip too, Steve. I think that you're, uh, you know, you're has a good eye for drip as he says
0: well they, they both uh, had a fun time watching that again and enjoying uh, Tory and the rest of the team they're they're fun to watch and the practice says uh, you know we're going to continue this week and before you know it a week from Saturday is their first game at Jacksonville State and hard to believe a week from today is the first UTEP Press conference. That to me is what's even crazier. We have weekly press conference throughout the week, and we'll get a chance to see Dana Dimmel uh, coming up uh, a week from today.
1: Yeah, somebody's going to have to remind me of that because I was, I was at a practice today and I was talking to Coach Dimmel, and he was already talking about uh installing the game plan for Jacksonville State already. And, and you understand why. I mean, you're 12 days out. This is really the time to lock in for this team. It's a road game for the Miners, And I felt like there was an extra buzz today around practice. Like, the, every, all the players really understood. Yeah, we're only uh, 12 days away from the actual game. Talked to Dion Hankins at length. I mean, he, he's poised to have a great year uh, going into his junior season for the Miners, and I, I think the buzz is starting to happen
0: around UTEP football. I can't wait. Can't wait. Minor talk that first day on the 26th after the game. Our coverage will start really uh, on Tuesday with the first UTEP football with Dana Dibble show. That's going to be happening live on location. So it's here, folks. Football's here. I mean, high school's ramping up. They're getting ready to start their season as well in less than two weeks, and we just have a lot going on sports-wise.
1: We do, Steve. We This is the exciting time of year just coming off a weekend in which we saw some great baseball, but we saw some quality NFL preseason. So it, it gives you kind of that uh, taste for football, that everybody is now hungry for football, hungry for all the excitement that the fall brings with, with the gridiron. But now we get a chance to watch some real college football here in 12
0: days, which I'm really fired up about. Did you watch a lot of preseason football over the weekend?
1: Admittedly. So I did, I did watch a lot and uh, the new YouTube TV uh, split screen
0: feature is excellent. Okay. So they're even debuting it for the preseason.
1: They are. They had a split screen for, uh, it was the Carolina game on Saturday, and and you could also watch the uh, Jacksonville-Dallas game on Saturday. So they had the split screen going then, um, and it was very good. I mean, they just did a good job doing this.
0: Very nice. Oh, by the way, since we're wishing uh, people, we're sending shout-outs left and right to start the show, let me wish uh, also uh, CJ, Chad Middleton's youngest, a very happy eighth birthday. He celebrated over the weekend, so CJ, congratulations, happy birthday birthday from your friends here on Sports Talk and 600 ESPN I'll pass. So it's, it's it's shout out Monday here on the program. Shout out CJ. And hey, by the way, shout out all the people who shouted
1: us out talking about how they were listening to the Minor Talk podcast from over the weekend. Steve, you got a shout out from one of our listeners who really liked the point you made. Uh, we got people who posted their, vi- their pictures of them listening to us in the car on Bluetooth and stuff like that. Uh, we put in some good work on that Minor Talk podcast for the season preview. So it was cool.
0: That a lot of people ended up listening to it. I just want to reiterate my point on that show that again, when we went through game by game, I was under the assumption that this team stays healthy. That's it, that this team will stay healthy and they will be able to uh, win the majority of their games. And hopefully, um, Buzz Fabiano, correct? Yeah. Or is it Flabiano? Flabiano. Flabiano? Yeah, Flabiano. I hope Buzz is able to establish himself as the field goal kicker that the uh, Miners will need to replace the um, incomparable Kevin Beckley.
1: Me too. He was booming some kicks today. Uh, granted, they were all uh, kickoffs, but he he really has a leg, Steve. I, it's hard not to uh, see what he has as far as talent-wise and to be impressed by it. He's just got to improve on the accuracy. That's something that all the coaches have talked about. Accuracy when it comes to field goal uh, making is the most important thing for Buzz Flabiano. And for him, I would think that anytime UTEP is within 35 yards... No, let, let's be real. Anytime they're within... Uh, twenty-five to thirty yards. They'll they'll probably go to him uh, to be their field goal kicker and to get him three points. But beyond that, they might uh, elect to go for it on fourth down more often than not.
0: Well, that's the question: is what do you decide to do after that? Because you gotta, and that that changes the uh, whole landscape of the UTEP offense this year. If uh, you know this team is going to be having to go for it a little bit more and and not be able to settle for field goals within 40 yards or, or less. Because think about this, too, okay? Um, you know, they have solidified this roster. They are deep across the board. But the one position they did not go out and get an experienced a juco or transfer portal player is kicker. And I just hope, I'm prefacing this now on August the 14th, 2023. I just hope that with the veterans this team has and as really much experience as they have across the board, I'm hoping that a young kicker can establish himself and become reliable because it would drive me insane if I knew. That because they didn't go out and get themselves somebody that has an experienced leg like to kick field goals, that everything else they have, well, it 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 kicks into some to to a certain point, but ultimately that piece could be what what they lack all season. I hope I'm not sure. you know I hope I, now when I went through the when I went through the podcast, I didn't go with that assumption. I went with the assumption that hey, they'll be fine with the kicking game. I mean even if they have a field goal kicker that kicks 60 65% of the time that'll be that'll be fine i mean that's that's good but you know you just man, sometimes you take for granted a guy like Gavin Beckley and his leg because he was just so automatic last year for this football team and really the last couple of years for that matter.
1: Yeah, I'm also curious to know, I mean, since we're on the subject of kickers, how long of a leash will Buzz Flabiano have throughout the season? Like, will they continue to roll him out as the field goal kicker even if he struggles early into the season? Because to your point, if they don't have continuity at that kicker spot, if they're mixing it up, they throw Mark Ramos in for one week or maybe Julian Malucci uh, gets a couple kicks here and there as the true freshman from Eastlake. That's not a good thing. They want certainty. They want consistency at that kicking position, and anything uh, aside from that is just uh, worrying for me, Steve, because at that point, you just worry if they're going to even make the kick when it's all said and done, even extra points for that matter.
0: That's true. That is true. So, hmm. All right. By the way... I just saw something very interesting on uh, the social platform now known as X, something that I might have to bring up when we come back, involving one of my favorite past subjects and how I've been linked to an answer for this question. If anybody's listened to this show over the years, you might have a little bit of a clue as to what I'm talking about. We'll do that uh, coming up a little bit later in the show. But hey, we have a great guest to kick things off with us here on the program a little Green Bay Packers talk with our very own Green Bay Packer correspondent. Um, and, and this is a guy who has just been with us through the thick and the thin of the uh, Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers era. Rob Domovsky will join us coming up after Charlie One, who has this traffic update. 20 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk Well, this time of year means only one thing. It means Rob Domovsky covering the Green Bay Packers. Like, there are certain things you know in life you can have. Death, taxes, and Rob Domovsky. Not necessarily in that order, but nonetheless, Rob, welcome back to the program. How are (laughs) you? Good, Steve. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Appreciate it. Um, you know, it's weird. I just watched the first Hard Knocks um, over the weekend. And when I watched it, I, I saw an Aaron Rodgers personality-wise that, let me ask you, I mean, in all the years you covered him, was, was that kind of the personality that you were used to? Or is it a little, is it like a rebirth for him out there in New York?
2: Yeah, I got to be honest. I haven't seen it. I was in Cincinnati all last week for um, the joint practices. And unfortunately, my hotel did not have HBO uh, uh. and been a little busy since. Although I will say from everything I've seen, the way he is, uh, you know, his interactions with people out there and whether, whether it's press conferences or, you know, whatever, he does seem to be, I hate to use the word best on his best behavior, but he does seem to be, you know, trying to appease most people. Uh, sometimes he can't help himself. Like I did see that, Um, when it was announced that they were going to be on hard knocks, he had to take a shot, uh, thinly veiled shot at them for shoving it down our throats that we had to do hard knocks. So uh, I believe that was the only time I feel like he sort of, you know, sort of stepped out of line, so to speak. But look, um, he got what he wanted, right? Like, and when he gets what he wants, you know, it's usually pretty good for a period of time and, you know, we'll see how it goes and, and see how he lasts, but he, how long it lasts, but he is a, very engaging person, there's no question about it um, he can be uh, he can be really insightful i I will miss I will miss his press conferences with us on Wednesday. I hate't even call him press conferences because we just stood around his locker and he talked for a half hour. He was always great um, to deal with whatever story you were working on. he would offer you a decent quote if you asked a good question so uh, you know, I, I think in some ways he gets a bad rap, and in some ways, uh, some of it is sort of uh, he's sort of brought it on himself too.
0: Well, well I'm not going to lie to you; he's the star of this show, and for somebody well, who's, I'm sure, you know, yeah. who's, who said that they shoved it down his throat, he was he seemed to be just fine with it. In fact uh Liv Schreiber who is the longtime yeah. uh, narrator of uh, Hard Knocks I had no idea what a fan Aaron Rodgers was of him he kept referring to him as the voice of God yeah. and when he when he had a chance to meet him it was like Aaron Rodgers was just this little kid being around him it was pretty cool
2: The one thing you, that you got to remember is that the team and or the player has final say over the content so if there was something in there that HBO wanted to show and that they didn't, that, was, that would have been cut out.
0: That's true. And they never filmed the Packers all the years he was, uh, he was quarterback, huh?
2: No, the Packers were always against it um, and still are, to be honest with you. And if they don't make the playoffs this year, they could be subject to it. I think the rules now, say if you don't make the playoffs two years in a row, you, you can't say no to it. Uh, um, I, I, think the, I think the only way to say no to it now is if you have a new coach or you don't make the playoffs two years in a row. So if they don't make it, they might be forced to do hard knocks. And look, Mike McCarthy uh, was always very much a, let's keep things in-house that should be in-house. And I think Matt LaFleur is the same
0: way. Well, listen, the new face of the franchise is now Jordan Love. You tell me, from what you had a chance to see uh, against the Bengals, what kind of a grade would you put on Love for his first performance?
2: Yeah, I thought it was pretty decent. I would say, you know, B-minus, um, you know, maybe C-plus, but a little bit better than average. He only played two series. He was 7 out of 10 on the mostly short stuff. He had one deep throw that got broken up and then one medium lane throw that he just flat-out missed Luke Musgrave. I will say this. Uh, he was really good in the Bengals' practice, the joint practice, a couple of days before the game, and he was really good in the next practice when they got home when they practiced on... I guess it was yesterday. He was really good, so I would say early in camp, I, I thought, boy, there's probably should be some concerns about him. And I would say as it's gone on, um, there's less and less of those. Not saying that he's a finished product or he's definitely a playoff quarterback or anything, but I have seen significant strides uh, from him as we've gone on here. And look, we're still what only halfway through camp. There's two more exhibition games. Uh, you know, and what are we about, uh, almost a month still from the start of the season? So, uh, I'm gonna reserve judgment a little bit.
1: Rob, we also read the sto- the side story from this past weekend from the NFL preseason opener for the Packers about Emmanuel Wilson, and it, it yeah. did involve Aaron Jones, who offered a bit of sympathy yep. to him. Uh, man, if if those of our listeners who don't know, Emmanuel Wilson's father passed away, uh, you know, a while back, and Aaron Jones gave him some words yep. of encouragement. And uh, you know, an undrafted free agent out of Fort Valley State, Emmanuel Wilson had quite the day on Saturday. Saturday.
2: Yeah, not only did he was it you know did he loses dad. This was the 14th anniversary to the day uh, that that Emmanuel Wilson's dad died, and uh, he's like, you know, I didn't even realize it until I saw the schedule. My first NFL game uh, is going to be on that anniversary, and he went out and uh, had uh, six carries for 111 yards and two touchdowns, including an 80-yard score. And I, I asked uh, Aaron after Aaron Jones after the game, you know, just you know about. If anybody knows, you know, what he's going through with you with, you know, losing your dad and all that. And he he said that, you know, he said he got emotional uh, because they had talked about that, you know, before the game. He and and Emmanuel had talked about that before the game. And, you know, he knew exactly what what he was going through that day. And Aaron said he went up to him and said, look, uh, you know, after the first touchdown, he said, You know, your pops is watching, and then he said, go do it again. And sure enough, he goes and rips off an 80-yard touchdown. So, really neat story. Um, The reality of it is he's a long shot to make the roster, but you can't have, uh, you know, any better mentors than Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I mean, those guys are, are selfless, egoless, all about the team guys. And, I mean, if you're a young kid, young player, doesn't matter, running back or wherever. You watch the way those two guys do it, and uh, if you can emulate that, you got a chance.
0: Rob Domovsky with us covers the Packers for ESPN.com, and we're talking to uh, Rob here on Sports Talk. Speaking of Aaron, he caught the first pass for seven yards, and that was his night, basically, just decided after that first catch, it pretty much be it, and it was the A.J. Dillon show after that. But watching the way Love completes that short ball and and with his athleticism being able to move around kind of makes me feel like... Um, Aaron could have an even larger role in the passing offense this year, especially if Love doesn't have that same kind of touch on the deep ball the way uh, the way his predecessor did.
2: Well, there's no question the offense is going to evolve, Steve. And like the question that you know we're all are trying to answer or figure out is is what it's going to look like. Because I mean, there were certain throws that you know Aaron Rodgers made that were throws that literally, you know, like only he could make. It's um, just the, the difficult back shoulder stuff. And, you know, we're trying to sort of figure out what Jordan Love's good at. I think he's trying to figure out what, what he's good at. And, you know, this could conceivably be a year where, you know, Aaron Jones catches a lot of passes. Now I say that, and he caught 59 last year and 52 the year before. So it's not like he hasn't caught uh, a lot of passes. I mean, heck, he's had – Oh, I think it's 10 or 11 receiving touchdowns in the last two seasons combined. I think he had five this past year and either five or six the year before. So, I mean, like, this is no stranger to the passing game. It was funny, though. I did joke with with Aaron after the game. I'm like, man, it's been a while since you uh, played in the preseason. He goes, look, I I wanted to be out there with Jordan, um, you know, at least at the start. I think he only played that one play, but – I'm pretty sure it has been four years since Aaron Jones played the preseason game. So, kind of a cool gesture by his part to saying, "Look, the, the offense is going to be out there because they want Jordan to get work, and if the offense is going to be out there, I want to be out there with him at least for a play or two.
0: I wonder if that's going to continue throughout the po- the preseason, or do you feel almost like as Love gets more and more snaps here uh, in the next couple of weeks, it might be with with some of the uh, some of the second yeah. teamers.
2: Well, th- maybe, but what the packers don't like to do is put their starting quarterback out there with a bunch of inexperienced players because they, they you know they they're hesitant to play him anyway and they certainly don't want to play him without the best protectors around him and which was actually i had a little bit of a uh, little bit of a question about whether Love would even play last week because David Bacchiari, their all-pro left tackle wasn't going to play but they did they played Love and and he got out of it you know just fine um but like they never would ever put Aaron Rodgers out there in a preseason or practice-type scrimmage setting unless they had their number one offensive line out there at least. And and as you know, the the running backs are a big part of the pass protection too. So the one thing that LaFleur said that I thought was interesting, I asked him uh, after the game, I said, are you going to play Love anymore or was that it? He goes, oh, no, we're going to play him. He's like, but I'm not sure whether it's going to be in the New England game this coming week or the Seattle game, which is the finale. So that told me that he's probably – only going to play in one more preseason game, and not
0: bowls. All right, we're going to have more with Rob as we continue here on Sports Talk. But first, bottom of the hour, let's send it back to Adrian. He's got a Sports Center update for us.
1: Thank you, Steve. Georgia will begin its drive for an unprecedented college football championship 3 Pete as the number one team in the AP Top 25, which was released today. The Bulldogs received 60 of the 63 first-place votes in the poll that was released today to easily outpoint number two Michigan, which received two uh, first place votes and has its best preseason ranking since being number two in 1991. The Wolverines Big Ten rival Ohio State checks in at number three with one first place vote and two more SEC conference teams join Georgia in the top five. Alabama is set at number four and uh, LSU checks in at number five, their best preseason ranking since 2016. Let's quickly go over to the baseball scoreboard coming up. At 440, Astros taking on the Marlins. Also, 5 o'clock start between the Pirates and the Mets. Yankees visit Atlanta to take on the Braves at 520. And then coming up about an hour and 15 away from A's Cardinals live at Bush Stadium. And that's a look at your Center update for 600 ESPN El Paso. I'm Adrian Bratis.
0: Adrian, thank you very much. We're back with Rob Domovsky, covers the Green Bay Packers for ESPN.com. Uh, we know about Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. We know uh, we've talked about. Jordan Love already. We know about that offensive line, and we know already about Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. So that leaves guys like Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, and Tucker Craft, three yeah. very highly uh, you know sought after draft picks for the Packers this year. They they've given Love some weapons and some some young talent to throw the ball to. What can you tell us uh, about them, Rob?
2: Yeah, Jaden Reed uh, and and Luke Musgrave are without a doubt going to be a big part of the passing game. There's no question about it. Reed might end up being their slot starting slot receiver, number three receiver. But uh, a third guy that they drafted last year, along with Dobbs and Watson, is Samari Toure, and he's had a really good camp. And they, and they like to move him around a bunch. Musgrave is is I don't want to say unlike any other tight end I've seen around here, uh, because there's been some good ones, but he he looks uh, a little different than some of the guys they've had here in the past that were maybe bigger you know, stronger, more of a inline tight end. He's a receiver in a tight end's body. Uh, you know, I, I talked to one of uh, one of uh, the defensive guys today, Dallin Levin, a backup safety, and he said, look, I'm not comparing him to Travis Kelsey, but he, has, he carries himself and has the skill set of, of a guy like Travis Kelsey or a Darren Waller, guys that are really receiving tight ends. And then Tucker Craft, uh, the other tight end of the group, is, is more of your traditional tight end where he's, he's going to do some blocking and he's going to catch some – you know, short to intermediate stuff, but uh, Musgrave, look, they're they're going to try to get him the ball, maybe even more than than any of the the other rookies uh, and other tight ends. He just looks like he's got a different skill set at you know his size and, and his speed. So, um, you know, but again, it's it's going to be a huge learning process for those guys. If you look in the game, you know, one of the two big plays that they missed uh, was a was the pass to Musgrave on third down. Uh, that love overthrew and, and actually must have told me today that, you know, look, I got to take some of the blame for that. I didn't run the greatest route either. So uh, there, there's some, there's some growth that's going to take place there. Uh, but, you know, as you know, like in this game, it, it doesn't take a lot to get guys going. And if you connect on a couple of those plays, all of a sudden you got some confidence and, and it becomes easier. So um, they're, they're definitely young and they're definitely inexperienced. But as we saw with Christian Watson, Late last season, it really only took a play or two to get him going, and then all of a sudden he had one of the best second halves of the season of any receiver in the league.
1: Transitioning from Mason Crosby to that next kicker, what were your thoughts on Anders Carlson from Auburn? He was the guy that they drafted in yeah. the sixth round, and we got a chance to see him over the weekend.
2: Yeah, he's, he's got a strong leg. He's a big dude. Uh, he, his brother, of course, is Daniel Carlson, kicker in the league uh that's uh, off to a nice start with his career uh you know Anders has struggled a little bit oddly enough he struggled a little bit on PATs uh he missed two of them in the game but he made all of his field goals today in practice he missed another PAT yet he made like a 50 51 yard field goal so that's a little odd um so you know but they're they're willing to live with it at this point because a couple of reasons one Look, they're they're probably in something of a rebuilding transition type year, so it's a little bit like why they didn't bring back some of the veteran guys like a Mercedes Lewis. Like at some point, you just have to move on and give those guys the experience so that when you are good again in a couple of years, you know when they hope they're good again in a couple of years, that those guys are experienced players and not rookies, you know, trying to go through it there. And obviously, Mason Crosby can still kick in this league. They uh, showed that last year. But, you know, are you going to spend $3 million for another year of Mason Crosby while you're putting off, like, okay, who's the next guy? Uh, or are you going to spend, you know, a, a rookie salary on a guy like Anders Carlson who's got all kinds of talent but, you know, needs needs to do it, needs needs game reps, and you got to figure out if he's the next guy or not? It's a little bit like with Love. I mean, they had to play Jordan Love this year simply because they had to find out whether he's a guy or not, because if he's not, you better go find one the next year.
0: True enough. And yet, we talk about it being kind of a transition rebuilding year, but at the same time, look what we're looking at in the North. The Detroit Lions, who have never been good, although they gave you glimpses last year, they knocked the Packers yeah. out of the playoffs last week of the season. Minnesota's up and down, and Chicago's got a young quarterback yeah. and kind of rebuilding. So, even though I'm with you on this being kind of that transition year, yeah. if things go well, Green Bay could easily find themselves sure. right back in the playoff picture.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, transition year turns into a, a, a different story if you you win nine, ten games. You know, and, and they had a chance with the. Of the division and schedule's not overly difficult to start while they do start on the road. They start against two, uh, you know, non-playoff teams from last year in Chicago and Atlanta. And then they have the saints and lions coming in here. So, I mean, that's a real chance to, to get off to a good start. And look, the thing I don't know, Steve, about Detroit is, was last year the start of something or was that just as good as it's going to get for them? Like, was that their, you know, their peak and, and, and that was it. And that was the best they were ever going to be. And then you, you mentioned it with both the other teams. I mean, Minnesota, what did they win? 11 games by, you know, a, a one score or less or something yeah. last year. I mean, it was, you know, a ridiculous amount of close games went their way. And then, you know, Chicago, they're, they're still trying to answer the question and figure out if they have the quarterback or not. So, um, you know, it, again yeah, it is. It, look, you could probably go through the whole NFC and say that about every division. Um, I mean, who, who's the, who's the second-best quarterback? In, in the NFC, behind Jalen Hurts. I mean, there's, you know, who knows? Maybe by the end of the year, Jordan Love is that guy. Because there's no, you know, other than Jalen Hurts, and I guess you can maybe say Cousins or Stafford, but, I mean, not like those guys are year-in, year-out, you know, winners. there There's a real... Chance for a lot of different teams in
0: the NFC. Yeah, I'm with you, and I think that's definitely the case uh, when you talk about you know what could happen. By the way, yeah. uh, you know Aaron Jones with all the talk about running backs being expendable, and you know Zeke signs today yeah. with New England. Dalvin Cook is still out there as a free agent. Yeah. So is Kareem Hunt. You know. Um, Aaron Jones probably was one of the smarter plays. He decided he wants to stay in Green Bay, He likes yep. it there. He signed more of a team-friendly deal and I know yep. that running backs want to get as much money as possible, but I look at Aaron and I think, man, he did it the right way.
2: Yeah, and it's probably he probably, you know, saw um, or at least maybe thought he would know, you know, like let's say he said, "You know what? No, I'm not taking the pay cut. Cut me." And you know, he probably figured that was probably not the greatest move because Guys like Zeke and, and, and Dalvin Cook and, and other backs that were unsigned this year were just they weren't getting they weren't getting interest. So, um, you know, I'm pretty sure I don't have his deal in front of me. That was way back in March when it happened, but I'm pretty sure that there's a bunch of incentives in there that that he can earn back some of that pay cut money. That's typically how the Packers do it when they they ask guys to reduce their salary. They do give them incentives in there if you you know meet certain statistical milestones or they make the playoffs or they make the championship game or whatever it is that they can earn that money back. And, and I think Aaron was, was smart enough to see, you know, what the landscape is like. And the other thing too is, I mean, he, he knows this offense. He knows how productive he can be in it and you go somewhere else and all of a sudden maybe it's not such a great fit, even though the money maybe, even if the money was better, maybe it's not a great fit.
0: That's true. At the same time, I guess he's what, going into his seventh season right that now. Yeah, and, and, and in your mind, how far is he away from being in the same group as a Jim Taylor or an Amon Green and a Paul Horning, yeah. being like one of the best ever to play that position as a Packer?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he's in the conversation for sure. Statistically... I don't remember exactly where he is. Amon Green is the career uh, franchise rushing leader. He broke Jim Taylor's record. Now, you know, Jim Taylor did it in mostly, what, 14-game seasons. Amon Green did it in 16. You know, Aaron's got the 17th game. Um, you know, the one thing that I think could, could sort of separate him from, at least from, you know, some of the more recent backs, I mean, uh, Ryan Taylor or Ryan Grant, excuse me, is, is, you know, he had a shorter t- career, but was definitely a very good back here. For quite a while, Dorsey-Levins the same way. Uh, some of those guys got the Super Bowls. And, um, you know, dorsey Levens was a Super Bowl winning running back. Uh, Ryan Grant uh, was on the – I believe he got hurt the 2010 Super Bowl year, mm-hmm. but was a big part of the buildup from 07, 08, 09 to that team. And, I mean, and if Aaron Jones could somehow, you know, get to a Super Bowl with, with Green Bay and, and, you know, let alone maybe they win one, I think that automatically elevates him into, you know, maybe right up there. I mean, Amon Green is, for all, as good as he was, he never even got to an NFC championship game here in Green Bay. He had a year, I think it was 02 or 03, where he had like 1,880 yards. Wow. And it was just absolutely unstoppable. I don't know, you know, it was crazy because I remember Favre, I asked him that year if you guys were, now you're a running team now, and he kind of. Got a little bit mad kind of half jokingly, no, we're not a running team, but eighteen hundred yards was pretty oppressive, so the, you know again they the, we've talked for years right about how they never really use Aaron Jones like as a workhorse guy and, and I'm guessing that that will that will be the same thing now, but can imagine what he would do, what his numbers would look like if he were getting twenty eight carries a game, and I think you know i Year year or so ago, I remember looking at it, he only had like a handful of games where he was even over the 20-carry mark.
0: No, you're right. His average yard per carry is right up there with Jim Brown, which is an absolute mind-blower.
2: Yeah, yeah. Production and and health, I mean, those are two big things. And he's, you know, for the most part, you know, he's had a few missed a game here or there, but for the most part, it's been, been pretty healthy.
0: Awesome stuff. Rob, it's always great reconnecting with you. Thanks for the time, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, checking back with you during the season.
2: All right, sounds good. We'll be seeing you
0: guys. Rob Domovsky, folks, uh, from ESPN.com, covers the Green Bay Packers. 42 past. More in a moment as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk, 48 past the hour. Saw this on Twitter right before we went to break at the first part of the show today. Someone uh, who apparently works for um, blogging the boys, the Dallas Cowboys, online writer, and um, also podcaster, Brandon Laurie, said, I'm curious, is it okay to use words like us or we when discussing sports teams, specifically for people who cover sports for a living? For example, our players are great. We need to draft better. No one can beat us. Well, when he put that uh, tweet in, Jess Navarrez responded by saying i will always remember steve calling me out the first time i did a radio hit with him and telling me not to since i don't play on the team she has a crying emoji after that i had never thought of it that way before but i'm glad he brought it to my attention so personally i try not to and i'm not there you go thank you jess i'm proud of you look here's a great example. We just had on Rob Domovsky, who's covered the Green Bay Packers forever for ESPN.com. Forever. You never heard one we, one us, uh, never responded like he's uh, with the Packers. And that's always been my attitude on the show. Now... Callers used to drive me crazy with this because I would always hear that. Well, we're not doing this, or you know, us, we. I said, stop it. Do You play for this team? No. Then, then don't. Then don't bother. But then I was, you know, then I softened up. I decided, you know what, this is this crusade's never going to end. I just have to let it go because I feel like, you know, I don't want to have to be policing our listeners every single time. Us, we, you know, um, all that stuff. Our. I said, no. no. So I haven't been enforcing it nearly as much as I used to years past. But, Adrian, I do appreciate, tip of the cap to Jess Navarez for bringing that up. Because, yes, for, for the majority of my professional career hosting sports radio, that was always a big pet peeve of mine.
1: You know what? Maybe it should go in your ex bio, Steve. Uh, maybe you should say so. Just something brief, like it's never we unless you played for the team. Maybe something like that. You could throw it in the bio just so you could stick your flag on this take right here and you could be first to the party because I think that now that the next generation of podcasters or audio streamers or whatever for sports media, as they join the mix, there's going to be this divide between credentialed media members who, like Rob Domovsky, Jess Navarez, who cover the team on a daily basis and never use the word we, us, or anything like that and and there'll be the other side of it who speaks to the fans, like West Coast Cowboy, you know, mm-hmm. and they will use we, they will use us, and they will continue to do stuff like that. But both uh, both sides will still get e- equal attention from fans just based on where we're at here in sports media. So maybe you should stick your flag in the anti-we take so that you could just show where you're at.
0: How many we's did I drop during that Minor Talk podcast previewing zero. the UTEP football zero day? zero. I mean, that's just not something. I'm a Jets fan. You don't hear me say we. Well, yeah, you know, I like to say they suck, but I don't usually say we suck. I just keep it as they suck. Um, same thing with the Mets, all my teams. They, them, they're terrible. They're awful. But listen, um, I was a journalism major, broadcast journalism. I was taught the do's and don'ts. I grew up in this business. You know, I, I, I was I was here when John Teicher was still here. I don't think I ever hear John with a lot of we's. And by the way, John's worked for UTEP for a thousand years. So if John wants to throw the we out there, fine. He's been a, a UTEP paid employee for a long, long time. But he never played for UTEP. But he doesn't usually do that. You don't usually hear that ever out of John's mouth. So I don't know. It's just there's certain ways. Adrian, you said it best. People that host podcasts are not necessarily um, they they don't have that same background of you know the way. I did when I was in school of what to do and what not to do and, and the, the professional way of doing it. And, you know, a lot of people now that have very successful podcasts are like fans. I don't consider them credentialed members of the media. They're more like passionate fans who are using the same platform online to reach a, a, a following of people. And, and they're very good at what they do.
1: Right, like they're almost Cowboys influencers or an influencer of that team. You know, I was just using Cowboys as an example, but you know, I I could totally see where you're coming from there. I don't, I mean, I'm a I would consider myself a media member too, so like I wouldn't throw the Wii's out there for all my teams. If you're a fan of the team and you want to throw out the wees, it's not bothering me. So that's that's how I uh that's how I look at it and you know, I I probably won't use it for you know, even if I'm out of this business at one point, I probably won't use wee to talk about my teams.
0: Okay. All right. Well, listen, that's a, it's an interesting topic. It was brought up on social. Thank you, Jess, for uh, remembering that. And I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, for those of you that uh, still use we, and I haven't, I haven't been nearly the we police like I used to be. I've, I've almost uh, just, I, I felt it was hopeless. I, that's the truth. That is why I gave up. I felt it was just hopeless that no matter how hard I tried, it would just never stop. So rather than be that grumpy old man and try to keep the wee police together, I just figure, you know what? What's the point anymore? The hell with it.
1: Maybe you should just say we. Like uh, every time somebody says that we, and then let them respond. Just instead of saying, you know, y- you have you always have a good take when you say say mm-hmm. this, but just say we and ask,
0: kind of give them a mirror in their face. Sounds like it. Sounds like a winner. One in the books. We got two to go here on a Monday edition of Sports Talk 505-6009. That's our telephone number if you want to weigh in. Along with Adrian Bradus, Steve Caplow, it's right here six hundred ESPN El Paso. our telephone number that gets you into the show. 505-6009 here on Sports Talk. So the topics to this hour... We've talked about uh, Packers football with Rob Domofsky. By the way, Raiders preview with Harry Ruiz coming up in our 5 o'clock hour in about 15 minutes from now. So happy that Harry, who is the uh, Spanish voice of the Vegas Raiders, will join us here on Sports Talk. A man that spent so many years at Channel 26 before he moved on, um, and someone that still considers El Paso home. So Harry Ruiz will be with us here this hour. We'll take uh, your phone calls. We'll check Twitter, uh, or X, I should say, because the platform is now known as X, with some of the posts that are coming in. Yes, I I know the listener poll said Twitter, but um, they have rebranded themselves, and, uh, you know, Certain things they they are, are trying to implement and change from before, and I get it. It's like everything else. So we'll uh, we'll check uh, we'll check that as well at six hundred ESPN El Paso. In fact, El Paso visuals deportes trying to get in on the we discussion, trying to explain why. I mean, by the way, he's, he's, he brings very valid points. I disagree with him, but they're very valid. they're valid, sure, makes sense. I mean, listen, um, credentialed member of the sports media grew up at UTEP Sports. UTEP Sports is been a passion of mine since I was a kid. But it's they or them or just UTEP. It's just the way it is. I don't even call Coronado we and I played baseball for them in high school. So I'm an alum who actually played ball for, uh, for Coronado. It's not us, we, or, you know, it's Coronado baseball team. That's again, that's my background. That was how I learned to get into the business. Simple as that. It's just we were, you know, some of us when we were um trained members of the media a thousand years ago, under the do's and don'ts, that that was, you know, we knew what to do and what not to do. You didn't you didn't want to come across sounding like a fan as a member of the media. How about that? That makes sense. You know. If a media member says we or us um or and uses and 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 won't, you know, will describe their the team's like that, then you just then you're then you're a fan. That's it. Yeah, you you're you're not uh you know, it's hard to be impartial. It really is. Um but anyway. And no, I disagree. I, I mean, I got my degree from UT Austin. It's, it's Texas, UT. It's what it is. The Longhorns. So, anyway, Plus, they suck is something that I say so often. It just doesn't sound like, it just doesn't sound the same when you say we suck. No, no, they suck. It's better that way. So, you know, that's just how it is. Because all my teams lose. Think about it, Adrian. The New York teams. I don't root for the Yankees and the Giants. I root for the Jets and the Mets and the Knicks and the Rangers and the Miners. And yeah, I want to see my alma mater do well. But if Texas plays UTEP, I'm rooting for UTEP. So you know, it's the way it is. What can I tell you? Yeah,
1: uh, where I draw the line is just media members. So anybody who's a media member, you don't say we. Anybody else, who else? They, just me personally, you could say we. It's cool with me. I don't care.
0: Ah, just found out the Jets are signing Dalvin Cook. Wow,
1: there it is, Steve. Bomb. What a yep. what a what a uh, story right there.
0: Yep, there it is. So Dalvin Cook is now a Jet. Good. Very good. Man, listen, they're not playing around. And um, I don't know if that news is going to break in time for Hard Knocks tomorrow night. Maybe not. It'd be cool if it does and and comes at the very end of the show. I just don't know if they're going to be able to pull that off.
1: I think they might. I mean, they do a great job just throwing in little nuggets here and there. So that might be like the footnote at the end, like, hey, breaking news, we're we're have uh, we're signing Dalvin Cook. They might actually give you the behind the scenes of how this deal was worked out uh, for Jet fans. And this deal is a one-year deal worth up to $8.6 million. Isn't it interesting, Steve, that on the heels of the Z- Ezekiel Elliott signing, which, by the way, could be up, To $6 million with incentives. We find the news today that Dalvin Cook has
0: signed with the Jets. I know. That is true. That is true. So who's left? Uh, Kareem Hunt? That's it. That is pretty much it, right?
1: Yeah, there's some other. I mean, Leonard Fournette's out there, too. There's a lot of other free agents. I mean, not even just the running back position. There's some uh, lingering veteran running backs out there who aren't your traditional starters or maybe even number one options, but they are quality players who are still out there who need to be signed in free agency.
0: One year, up to $8.6 million for the Jets. Terrific. One year. That is, hey, you know what he is? He's an insurance policy. Now you know that if Brees Hall is not ready to go, you've got the best running back, one of the best running backs in the game, able to do it. And you know what else I like, says the Jets? Because now you don't have to rush Brees Hall back. That's the best news. You are coming back from a major leg injury. Look how long it took Saquon Barkley to come back. The Jets don't have that kind of patience. They want to win now. That's why they brought uh, Dalvin Cook back. You know what? Good for them.
1: You don't blame them whatsoever for doing this. You don't blame the contract. It's so – I mean, come on. Uh, Tony Pollard signed the franchise tag for just over $10 million. Same with uh, Saquon Barkley, just over $10 million. So you're getting Dalvin Cook, a top-five running back in the NFL right now, under $10 million for a one-year deal. That's uh, outstanding for the Jets. It is. For Dalvin Cook, I mean, it, it does mean a future that is uncertain. But still, if you have a great season with the Jets, this year, you parlay it to a bigger deal next year, either to stay with the team or to get more money elsewhere.
0: I don't even know if he's going to have that. You know, the Jets could use Dalvin Cook and um, when he's healthy, Brees Hall, the same way the Packers use Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Why run one guy into the ground when you can run an effective timeshare and try to keep both fresh and healthy for the season.
1: Yeah, they could also be like Dalvin Cook and uh, Alexander Madison last year. They they had a, a real nice shared um, you know group of running backs uh, last year in Minnesota, and so they just pretty much need to duplicate what they did in Minnesota in New York with the Jets, and that also, it takes a lot off the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers, and, and he does not need to be outstanding every single game. They can rely on their run game. They can re- rely on Dalvin Cook to be their workhorse running back so this is huge news if you're a Jets fan right now this is big uh, this is big time stuff and this AFC as it stands right now is so loaded top to bottom you look at teams like Kansas City Buffalo Cincinnati you name it there's so many great teams in the AFC the Jets have to stack up as much talent as they can in order to throw their name in that mix
0: but you want to know something funny okay give me your top four in the AFC right now not including the Jets.
1: Okay, so I'd go number one, Kansas City. Fine. Number two, Buffalo. Fine. Three, I'd go Cincinnati. Okay. And then four, I'd probably go if a uh, healthy Baltimore, a uh, healthy Lamar, I'd go
0: Baltimore. You know what? Of those four teams, none of them, none of them have a d- uh, running back like Dalvin Cook. No, Clark.
1: no, not even close.
0: So that is the difference maker for the Jets in this particular signing. They get somebody that, when healthy, is as dynamic as a running back, as you're going to find in the National Football League. And that's huge for them. And you know what it also does? I'm telling you, this takes all the pressure off of Brees Hall because now he doesn't have to come back 100% as soon as possible. You can ease him back. You've got Michael Carter. You've got the rookies. Now you've got Dalvin Cook. To me, it just means that Hall is not going to have to be that workhorse back like everybody projected.
1: Yeah, and if Hall is upset about this, you know, he tweeted a couple weeks ago uh, some cryptic stuff. People interpreted that as him being upset about the possible addition of Dalvin Cook. Why would you? Because now the spotlight is there uh, across New York, uh, across the team itself. If you perform, if Brees Hall has success, people are going to notice that. Just like they're going to notice if Michael Carter has success and if Dalvin Cook has success. Now, if you want to argue who will be that guy in a goal-line situation to get the ball – it's going to be Dalvin Cook, the proven running back, yep. the guy who's the top five running back in the league. Brees Hall could learn from somebody like Dalvin Cook.
0: Just like Zach Wilson uh, will be learning from Aaron Rodgers.
1: Same thing. Exactly. exactly. And, you, and still- you know
0: Aaron Rodgers wanted Dalvin Cook. How many times did he have to watch Cook run all over his defense to realize that, you know what, he wanted to have him on the same team?
1: Right, and you look at the available running backs out there, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, J.D. McKissick, Mark Ingram, Rex Burkhead. Those guys aren't difference makers or guys who are not going to really catapult you, uh, you know, immediately. Uh, Dalvin Cook is somebody who could step into your locker room and day one be a difference maker. That's the kind of player he is, and, and people forget, Dalvin Cook is still only 28 years old. I, yep. I mean, this is just a fantastic signing by the Jets.
0: And I'm going to give the Jets a lot of credit. You know what? When they brought in Aaron Rodgers, they decided, you know what? We're going to try to surround our team with the best veterans that we can get. If you're, if you're the Jets organization, that's what they decided to do. Figured, let's go ahead and stack the deck. And the Jets did just that. That is how they put this thing together. Give them credit. I mean, they brought in veteran galore on all sides of the ball to surround number 8. And now Dalvin Cook is the last piece. I hope during the season... Before the trading deadline, they could find a way to get uh, Devontae Adams from the Raiders. That would be ideal. But you want to know something? That offense is so loaded without him that... Aaron Rodgers has to be licking his chops right now knowing he's going to have Dalvin Cook in that backfield.
1: Yeah and again I can't uh, I can't say this enough the value that they got Dalvin Cook at under 10 million dollars just to put it into perspective over the offseason the free agents who signed new deals Miles Sanders to Carolina for four years at 25 million dollars David Montgomery moves from Chicago to Detroit three years 18 million dollars Jamal Williams goes from Detroit to New Orleans three years 12 million dollars all that is guaranteed right there that I just mentioned and you're talking about the a top five running back on your team for just one season under 10 million
0: sign me up any day and not only that Ezekiel Elliott just signed with the Patriots for six million dollars and I think that when Dalvin Cook saw that he probably said to himself you know what I'm going to do the same thing, take a little more money, go with the Jets, and now you've got Dalvin Cook and Zeke on the same in the same division. That's just going to be a, a blast. The biggest losers today by far, the Buffalo Bills, because as good as they are, they still lack that dynamic running game, and they could have had Dalvin Cook if they wanted him, and they passed. And now you wonder how much that could come back to hurt them during the season as good as Josh Allen in that passing game is.
1: Yeah, the caveat on all of that is they have his brother as their starting running back, James Cook. Yep. So he's going to be uh, their starting running back this season going into Buffalo. It would have been, I mean, what a story that would have been if they had Dalvin Cook, James Cook on the same in the same running back group and to see what they could have actually produced in Buffalo. And to, and to your point, what they are doing right there is they'll say, hey, instead of adding that standout running back, We'll allow uh, Josh Allen to continue running the ball, and when you allow Josh Allen to continue running the ball like he does, you uh, put yourself in a position where he could get injured, you worry about the depth at the quarterback spot for Buffalo, and then what happens? If they lose Josh Allen, forget the season for
0: Buffalo. Terrific point. All right, 16 past the hour. Raider Nation, get ready. Coming up next, Harry Ruiz will preview what to expect from the Vegas Raiders this year. All that and more after Charlie won and a traffic update. 20 past the hour as sports talk continues. Our NFL previews continue with the Las Vegas Raiders. And this man who joins us, he is the voice of the Raiders uh, in Spanish. El Paso, welcome back to the program. The one and only uh, Harry Ruiz to the show Harry, good to have you on. How are you?
3: Doing fantastic, Steve. Coming off of a... A long day at Allegiant Stadium yesterday, but a fun game. Uh, it's only preseason, but I prefer watching my team win than lose. So that's a good win for the Raiders last night.
0: Yeah, that's always nice. And I'll tell you something else. Um, you know, they were impressive. 34-7 to over the rival uh, 49ers. I know it's only exhibition play. I get that. But Trey Lance did play for San Francisco. And uh, Aiden O'Connell looked very good, didn't he?
3: Absolutely. Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer, they got their work in during the joint practices that were held in Henderson out here in the Las Vegas Valley on Thursday and Friday. So uh, Josh McDaniels didn't feel the need to have them out on the field and just allow the rookie fourth-rounder to soak it all in, soak in the experience of a game day how it is in the NFL, get the pressure from the opposing players, and he looked composed on the field. He looked accurate. He looked as the player with poise out there. There. And at the moment, the number two on the step chart at the quarterback position is Brian Hoyer because of his knowledge in the Josh McDaniel system. But Aiden O'Connell, they love, they love him, and he definitely showed out yesterday here in,
4: in Las Vegas.
0: Yes, he did, and that was uh, part of the you know the, the impressive uh, performance in that uh, in that second half. And by the way, if you're a Vegas fan, I guess you got to be happy because. They uh, did a little bit every single quarter and, uh, and made it work. Was um, O'Connell the, your biggest takeaway from this game? Was he the one that impressed you the most?
3: No, it's actually the defense. The Raiders' defense had four quarters all in the first half, two in the first drive. That was a three and out. They actually, the first three drives for the Niners were three and outs in this game. They generated two turnovers, a forced fumble recovery, and also an interception. So that was positive. Two stops on fourth down and fourth and one. So that was great. And uh, I've been there at training camp almost every day, Steve, and I've seen the defense do the same thing against A lot of people were putting question marks around and saying it's like, well, is that talking positive about the defense or negative about the offense? And they said, all right, joint practices are coming. They were doing the same thing they did on Sunday on Thursday and Friday against Brock Purdy, and people were saying, like, well, it's just practice, and then they did it at the stadium in the game, so Aiden O'Connell, he takes the spotlight because it's the quarterback, and that's the most important position in football, but in my opinion, the defense, they were the ones that, in my opinion, were the biggest storyline for the Silver and Blacks.
1: Harry uh the most important part I've thought uh you know going into the season for the Las Vegas Raiders is putting more pressure on the quarterback defensively and like you mentioned he had uh you know Trey Lance was sacked 4 times and he also had two passes that I thought could have been intercepted so not only did they do a nice job defensively but they also put pressure on a quarterback where all the spotlight was pretty much on you know Trey Lance everybody wanted to see how he would play in that game and uh, the Raiders did not allow him to pretty much do anything, sacking him four times in his start.
3: Yeah, and a lot of people want to say, it's like, well, maybe Trey Lance isn't it. But just a couple of years ago, they traded three first-round picks, one third-round pick to jump up to the third spot and pick Trey Lance. He was their guy. And then the backup in the, yesterday's game was Sam Darnold, another player that was the third overall pick in the NFL draft. So you're not talking about scrubs that were – undrafted free agents, no disrespect to any undrafted free agents, but the quarterbacks that were just in the market. No, you're talking about two guys that were very highly thought about when it came to the NFL draft. So the Raiders did a good job against them. Back to the same thing. The pressure, that's a big point. And the Raiders, they have one of the best players in the NFL, in my opinion, in Max Crosby, and he just needs help. That's the problem. It can't be the Max Crosby show with double-digit sacks. It has to be Chandler Jones being consistent on the opposite side. It has to be the interior pressure coming through, and there's a lot of excitement out here in Las Vegas. Whenever we get to see Tyree Wilson actually play in a game, the Texas Tech Red Raider going over to a Silver and Black Raider, that's going to be huge. I actually saw him walk out of the tunnel yesterday a couple of feet away from me, and that dude is massive. Now we just need him to get healthy.
0: I was going to ask you about that because between Tyree Wilson and Byron Young from Alabama, the Raiders went defensive line in the first and the third rounds. And hey, that's big when you realize you need to shore up that uh, you know that front four.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. and that's going to be a big thing for the Raiders of course Chandler Jones is still under contract this year and next year but there could be an out after this season and Tyree Wilson if he pans out that might help the decision in the interior line there's this player called Jerry Tillery who used to play for the Los Angeles Chargers and he came over midway through last season and when he arrived with the Raiders the interior pressure something got unlocked with it and they were doing an even better job opening holes so when these guys actually get all the unit together it's working and an important thing uh, Adrian and Steve is that the Raiders finally have the same defensive coordinator for the first time in back-to-back seasons since the time they moved from Vegas to from Oakland to Vegas 2019-2020 Paul Gunther that was the last time they had the same coordinator in back-to-back seasons when you talk about defense so Patrick Graham his scheme is a little bit more difficult than than most but if they're able to understand it and now more, way more players returning in it, that could be a big time positive for the Raiders.
0: Harry Ruiz is the uh, voice, the Spanish voice of the Las Vegas Raiders. He joins us here on Sports Talk as we continue. So uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, you don't need to say much about him. We know just how good of a running back he is. I love the fact, though, that behind him, Zamir White, who had a strong game, and Sincere McCormick, who we know very well from his UTSA days, they're both trying to uh, solidify their spots on the roster behind Jacobs uh, on that depth chart.
3: Yeah, no, Samir White, he has that backup spot locked up. Yet Last year, he was the second pick of the Raiders in the draft because they didn't have a one or a two because they traded uh, the, them to the Packers for Devontae Adams. The third round pick was uh, left guard, Dylan Parham, and then they picked Samir White, which shocked everybody because you were like, yo, you got, you got Josh Jacobs. Why do you want Samir White? In practice, he has just been bulldozing people. He has been doing a fantastic job during those training camp sessions, so you see that those extra reps, that him, Brennan Brown, another player they drafted last year in that running back position from UCLA, and then the veterans, Amir Abdullah, you got Brandon Bolden in the mix too, and sincere McCormick who last year unfortunately got injured and wasn't able to stick around during the year, they they got a solid running back core. The problem is it's just too crowded right now and they actually added two more players, including Damian Willis, Williams, uh, just. This past week on Saturday, so it's like they, they have a crowded room when everybody knows that the moment that Josh Jacobs puts ink to paper, it all changes in 28 as a man in that position.
0: What's it been like watching Jimmy G so far practice and, and what he brings to the table as the uh, the new QB1 for the Raiders replacing Carr?
3: Uh-huh. This is a guy that understands what Josh McDaniels wants to do, and this is a guy that isn't going to divert on what Josh McDaniels wants to do. He is going to follow the script. He knows the options that are the alternatives to every play, and when I've seen him at practice, one thing that I love, Steve, is that he isn't afraid to take risks. Derek Carr, he was the training camp MVP every year. He would only throw one interception, and it was usually in the last practice or second-to-last practice, and that was impressive. But then last year, week one against the Chargers, he throws three interceptions, a career-high 14 interceptions in the season. Jimmy G, he isn't afraid of making those mistakes right now at training camp, and that's something that I love because then he went on and did it against the 49ers, did his job, and played – Mostly clean on the field and that's something that the raider nation should be excited about i know that there's injury concerns but hey it's football it's a physical sport injuries will happen if jimmy g stays healthy that's the best opportunity for this team to win this year
0: more with harry ruiz as we continue here on sports talk but first let's go to adrian he's standing by and has a bottom of the hour sports center update Uh, Again, folks, a longtime El Paso television sportscaster with Channel 26, who's now the Spanish voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, Harry Ruiz, uh, joining us uh, from Vegas to give us uh, his thoughts uh, on the team as uh, they get ready for uh, their second game of the preseason, which uh, will be coming up on Saturday when they take on the Rams, and then they have the Cowboys on the road, both of those games on the road before opening up uh, in Denver and in Buffalo by the way, what a tough start to the season for the Raiders we're going to find a lot about this team, aren't we right out of the chute, where they've got to play three of their first four on the road including Broncos, Bills, Chargers on the road, and then you got the Steelers at home, man that is a brutal schedule coming out of the gate
3: Yeah, the Raider Nation, we always say the NFL... They always have something against us when it comes to the schedule. But, hey, you got to play it the way it comes, and it's tough. I honestly thought that they were going to have some heavy uh, home games early in the season because it's one of those years where you play nine regular season home games for the Raiders. And then I look at the schedule, and I was like, wait, we have the first preseason game is in Las Vegas, and then the next game here in Las Vegas isn't until six weeks after that. I thought it was crazy, but that means that the back end is loaded with home games for the Raiders, so they just got to hang in there in those tough uh, first four games with a lot of people saying that two wins are going to be positive for them if they're able to pull it off, so let's see how the Raiders do in that tough start.
0: Plus, the division is brutal. I mean, you look at what you're going up against, uh, it is absolutely stacked. You got the defending Super Bowl champion, the Chiefs, the Chargers we know about and how they've played, and then Broncos rebuilding. It's, it is going to be an absolute slugfest, isn't it?
3: I mean, the AFC West is always super competitive. There's always huge rivalries between these teams, but the Broncos have never beat the Las Vegas Raiders. They're 6-0 since relocating to Vegas against Denver. The Chargers and the Raiders always seem to split their series, including the game a couple of years ago played here in Las Vegas Week 18 with the Raiders winning with the final field goal to advance to the playoffs and eliminate Justin Herbert and the Chargers. So it's always competitive. The secret and the big thing is beating the Chiefs. Last time the Raiders did it was in 2020 during the pandemic season, and it happened in Kansas City. So how are you going to be able to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? Travis Kelsey has the Raiders numbers. I spoke with him out here in Las Vegas a couple of years ago in the Pro Bowl, and he told me, I love playing the Raiders, man. It always makes, does me good. So I hope the Raiders can figure that out with this new linebacker core that they have to slow down the best tight end of the league when they face them. Speaking of the best tight end in the,
1: in the league, Harry, uh, the best wide receiver uh, is arguably uh, Devontae Adams, who actually uh, limped off at practice over the weekend Friday against the 49ers. Did you get a chance to see this right here? And what is his status looking like for this week?
3: Oh, absolutely. I was right there. I had my binoculars. So media access when it comes to Raiders is a little bit limited. Josh McDaniels loves being secretive. He knows the Bill Belichick way of doing things. So uh, can you imagine? They got three fields. We're at the end of one. They're in the middle field, and they got – players that are 6'9", 300 pounds, standing on the sidelines, so you can't see much, so I get a little bit as high as possible in the stands with my binoculars, and I saw that play, exactly how it ended up uh, evolving, and I saw the moment. I saw it was a big hit, but a a clean hit, a legal hit, and um, Devontae Adams limped off the field a little bit. He was getting checked out by first three trainers, and then it ended up being one uh, right below his knee. He was getting it checked, and at the end, he walked by himself back to the locker room so that was a big indication that it wasn't anything that was major because just the week prior to that quarterback Brandon Faison he needed the card to be able to be taken over to the trainer's room Devontae Adams he walked it off did he have a limp yes not a strong one but a limp at the end and at the end of the day and uh Sean Reed a great reporter from from the athletic he immediately posted on social media about a source with the team that he knows that said that it wasn't anything that is going to be major, so we, I'm actually on my way right now to Los Angeles and I'll be there at uh, joint practices with the Rams on Wednesday and uh, I'll definitely be posting about if Devontae is available or not for those practices, which are more important than the games for this training staff, this coaching staff and a lot of coaching staff in the NFL. They prefer having their ones those days that they have that controlled uh, session instead of those pre- preseason games where anything can happen
1: with another receiver on the Raiders as well Hunter Renfro coming off a pro bowl type of season that he had how does he look to translate that into this year because I know that there were a lot of rumors over the offseason swirling could Hunter Renfro be traded it is is his value high right now for him to be dealt away from the team it just seems like he wants to lock in and and, uh, stay with this group uh, since you know he's obviously wearing a Raiders uniform right now.
3: Yeah, no. He had a Pro Bowl year in 2021 where he was fantastic. He took advantage of pretty much being the number one wide receiver on the on the field for a lot of those games with Derek Carr in that great season where the team made it to the playoffs and lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. But last year, unfortunately, injuries were a big part of his years. His year, including week two against the Cardinals, he was the player that fumbled the football where the Cardinals recovered the ball and ended. up scoring the game-winning touchdown on defense in overtime in week two, and he had a concussion in that hit, and he wasn't the same the rest of the year. He had other injuries that put him on the IR. So last year was a down year for Hunter Renfro, but the coaching staff, you go back to what they did in New England when they had multiple slot receivers like Danny Amendola, Wes Welker, uh, Julian Edelman, and how they were able to play with multiple slot receivers on the field. That's what they're trying to do this year. They got uh, Trey Tucker, a player that they drafted out of the University of Cincinnati. They got Jacoby Myers, who they signed over from the New England Patriots, and Hunter Renfro. And they've been playing around with two of them on the field at the same time, three of them on the field at the same time, and figuring out the best way to use them on the field. And at practice, they all of the three of them have looked in fantastic fashion. So the Raiders, I don't think they plan on trading him. Why? Because you look at the way his contract is structured. It wouldn't make sense at this moment, so they just have to figure out the way to make him play the best with the rest of the the pieces that they have on the puzzle on the field.
0: We continue right now with uh, the Spanish voice of the Raiders. Uh, That is Harry Ruiz here on Sports Talk. Harry, give me an X-factor on offense and an X-factor on defense in order for the Raiders to have a successful season in 2023.
3: So X Factor on offense, I'm going to go with Michael Mayer the tight end out of the University of Notre Dame. He didn't play yesterday because he's not at 100% and the coaching staff don't want to risk him, but the Raiders, they had him highly ranked on their draft board when the first round was happening and they couldn't believe that he fell to the second round and they ended up jumping in the second round to take him with the 35th pick. So Michael Mayer, in my opinion, I've seen him at practice when he has been out there. He has safe hands. He's doing a good job with blocking unless he's going against Max Rasmid, because that man is a beast, but Michael Mayer, I think that as he keeps evolving, he's going to keep uh, becoming, he has the opportunity to become a great tight end in the NFL, and uh, you know that Josh McDaniels loves how to use tight ends in different ways, going back with his time in the Patriots, so I'm going to go with Michael Mayer on offense, and on defense, if I go with an X-Factor, I'm going to go with rookie Ja'Korian Bennett, so Two two rookies with uh, X-Factors. Sha'Cory Bennett on defense, Michael Mayer on offense. Keep your eye on number 29 for the Raiders. That kid is lightning fast. 4.340 in the NFL combine. He looks fantastic on the field, and right now, if you ask me, Steve, who the starting cornerbacks for the Raiders are on one side they're going to have Marcus Peters and on the other side they might have Ja'Korion Bennett with Nate Hobbs in the slot. So that kid, Jacorian Bennett if he is able to pan out the Raiders will have a cornerback that can be more than solid the next four years.
0: Love it. Harry, uh, we're going to be uh, heading our way up to your neck of the woods uh, beginning of next year and uh, broadcasting uh, the show live from Radio Row the week of the Super Bowl so we will definitely have to hook up with you uh, when we get into vegas
3: absolutely man let me let me know what time and i'll head out there i mean um, i'm working with raider nation radio so hopefully we get access to that this year and if not i'll figure out a way to sneak myself in with the raiders group
0: chad middleton checks in and uh, he says after he was so excited to hear you back on the radio here harry he said we need a touchdown raiders from harry before he goes
3: Ah, oh, man i'll have to send you guys the audio from the from yesterday's calls but hey i'll I'll send you guys one of those because it has to be real guys it can't be just pre like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna fake it right now but I'll send you guys an audio of them sooner heck the best one in my opinion right now the the New England Patriots call guys the Chandler Jones touchdown I'll send you guys that one soon but hey by the way before before you guys let me go i gotta send a shout out to the texas hardcore raider booster club out there in el paso that's where i would always watch the games during um, my time in el paso and they're fantastic so shout out to mark to rob to terry to all the folks out there they they do a fantastic job keeping the raider nation uh, together out there in el paso
0: i am gonna try to find on uh, social media one of your calls do you post them yourself or are they usually via the raiders do, do the raiders even have a, a spanish twitter handle
3: So don't tell anybody I told this. It's coming soon. This year they're boosting up their social media presence in Spanish. Uh, Last year I wrote articles in Spanish and English. This year we're doing the first ever podcast produced in Spanish by the Raiders. I'm doing post-game video recaps for the Raiders starting with yesterday's game. So they're doing a lot of things that are coming in in Spanish. And that call with the Chandler Jones touchdown was actually the first ever one that they posted in Spanish on their social media like immediately after after the game because it was just natural, man. It was a a great moment, and I'll actually see if I can text it to you right now in a minute. Sounds
0: good. We'll look forward to it. Always great uh, having a chance to hear your voice, Harry. We'll look forward to seeing you soon. All right? Take care. Absolutely, man. Have a great day.
3: Adrian, thanks for the call, and uh, guys, have a good time. And, hey, go Raiders, even though I know that uh, El Paso is Cowboys country.
0: No, don't worry. They'll make it, they've got a sweet spot for you, at least uh, as far as the interview goes. Once we hang up, that'll change. But for now, Harry, they, they do have a soft spot for you. I promise.
3: I hope so. I hope so. El is my second home, and uh, it's a place that I will always love, and I can't wait to go back. I was out there in February, and I had a fantastic time.
0: Awesome. He's Harry Ruiz, folks, and Harry, the Spanish voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, joins us here on Sports Talk 43 Past. Come back to wrap up Hour 2 of 3 next. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.
3: Profundos en el campo, solo presión de tres. Remander Stevenson con el acarreo y Stevenson sigue de pie. Avanza de la 45 a la 40, a la 35, a la 30. Lanza el pase hacia atrás con Jacoby Myers y los patriotas. Ahora simplemente, Chandler Jones intercepta el pase. Chandler Jones se mantiene de pie. Chandler Jones se va, se va, se va hasta la cocina.
2: Touchdown.
0: lo hizo, Charlie Jones lo hizo,
3: consiguió el balón con los Patriotas intentando lanzar pases laterales y los Raiders de la manera más improbable posible en la historia del fútbol americano han ganado este partido. ¡Wow! Lo veo y no
0: lo creo. Awesome stuff. That is why Harry told us in that conversation that he could not do it justice for poor Chad, who wanted a touchdown Raiders. He said, you need to find the Chandler Jones call because that is the call of calls. And now I understand why Harry wanted that one to be played.
1: So if we were doing Raider talk in Las Vegas, I think that we would, do, we would probably play that every single time going into a break and coming out of a break. So that I was agree. such a great call right there by Harry.
0: It was. And, man, he really got the touchdown Raiders going in that one. Let me see if I can. I have to get at least that one more time. Just what he says, the touchdown Raiders, because when Chandler Jones is going into the end zone, Harry's going nuts. Here we go. That is like a lifetime's worth of excitement in one call right there. Don't you think? That's for all the Raider fans – that have wanted to get excited on something like improbable like that. That's how you do it.
1: Yeah, when you see a once in a lifetime play, and we probably won't ever see a play like that, where Jacoby Myers is trying to fling, uh, you know, a pitch all the way back to Stevenson. That's obviously not going to go there. You know, mm-hmm. no one's going to be doing laterals like that after watching a game uh, finish that way. And to also cap off a game that way, Steve, to be kind of a walk off in a sense. Uh, that was an, an exceptional call.
0: It was. And understand also that it is probably the worst end-of-game decision in the history of professional football. Like, you could try and find something that's on that level, but that's about – that's like with the Pasarczyk fumble years ago when the Giants lost to the Eagles. That was along that same line. I mean, that was an improbable one, too. Um Merrill Reese called that one in 1979, and I and we're trying to get Merrill on the show this year because he's still working Eagles games. He's around forever, but that was still to me one of the. Uh, that's you know when you when you try and um and you know snap a ball and fumble the snap instead of just falling on it and then you give up a touchdown. Uh, that's pretty bad too. So you know, hey. All credit to Chandler Jones with one of the craziest plays I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, isn't the irony behind all this is they're coached by one of the best coaches in NFL history and Bill Belichick, and they still did that kind of decision to finish out a game in the New England Patriots. Just what a wild finish, but great call.
0: How about Zach Martin getting his reworked deal? Uh, Let's talk about that for a minute and what that does for the Cowboys because he gets two years, $18 million, fully guaranteed money. You know he was scheduled to make thirteen and a half million this year, fourteen million in base salary and a roster bonus next year. So now he is uh, he's got his deal. Um, you know, eighteen million each of these next two years. What thirty six million versus what would have been twenty seven and a half? So cowboy fans are happy. You needed to have Zach Wilson locked up, but just a two year deal. That's all he's getting.
1: Yeah, for Martin, he's also somebody who's been an all-pro six different times. I I feel like that... He's on the path to be a Hall of Famer. On paper, he is on path to be to go to Canton one day. And that's who Zach Martin has been uh, his entire career. Always consistent, year in, year out. You look at the guard market right now. Quentin Nelson uh, is atop the leaderboard. $20.5 million where that he he has along with Falcons guard uh, Chris Lindstrom. So this puts him on par with those kind of guys.
0: No, you're right. Two hours down, one to go as we continue here on Sports Talk. We'll do a little hype school football this hour with none other than Bo Bagley and Jesse Tovar they're going to join us coming up a little bit later in the show as we continue right here 600 ESPN El Paso third and final hour here on sports talk welcome back Along with Adrian Broughtis, Steve Kaplow, it's here. Phone number 915-505-6009. That's one way to get through to the show. You can also tweet us at six hundred ESPN El Paso. That is at six hundred ESPN El Paso. Anything you want to tweet, now's the time to do it. And while you're at it, you can also uh, contact us on our mobile app powered by First American Bank. Those are the three ways to get right on in and through to the program. All right, let me uh, check what's uh, happening uh, on uh, Twitter right now to begin our third and final hour. Esteban tweets the show. Steve, clearly you were directed to refer to Tweeter as X, and you caved. What a woos from Esteban. First off, it's a wuss, not a woos. It's a wuss. It's Twitter, not Tweeter. As far as X goes, listen, I still find it weird saying that we're on X because I feel that's just, you know, again, as I've said before, I feel like we're all on ecstasy, which we're not. Although sometimes I feel like calls are a little bit uh, strange and I've suspected things for years, shenanigans, but I won't go into detail. But as far as I'm concerned, there was no direction. Zero for X or Twitter. Say whatever you want. Look, my browser says X. My app says X, so, you know, they've they've started to phase it out. Um, listeners still like Twitter. Listeners still like tweets, even though now it says posts instead of retweets and tweets. It's just the way it is. So, you know, stick what you want, Esteban. Oh, by the way, Esteban, hey, while you're at it, how about coordinating with um, Pinky when the two of you are going to come in and co-host a show together? I mean that guy is such an instigator. I want him on the radio because if he if he is anything like behind the microphone, what he's like behind a phone, uh, whether he you know as he as he tweets, uh, it'll be a pretty entertaining show. But according to Pinky, as of this morning, he has still not heard back from Esteban. Who wins an auction item wants to pawn it off on somebody. And then ghosts him when he wants to have the two of them together to do a show.
1: Come on, Esteban, what's going on? Oh, by the way, Steve, you didn't get that uh, email from Elon saying that we've got to call it X from now on. You, you didn't get that message right there?
0: Oh man, I, that one—that one, that one <laughs> must have gone to my junk mail.
1: I think so. I think uh, it went to a lot of people's junk mail, Steve. So yeah. I think we'll just continue to refer to it as Twitter.
0: I know, I know. Anyway, um, listen, I like it. I really, um, you know, I I couldn't care less. It is what it is. Bryant from downtown says we have to be consistent. That was his thing, is that when something changes, you change it. He is right about one thing. We don't call them the Cleveland Indians anymore. They're now the Guardians. We don't call them the Washington Redskins anymore. They're now the Commanders. So when those names change, we respect that. So Twitter is now X, and even though I think it's ridiculous, um, we put a poll question up. Our listeners want to keep Twitter, want to keep tweets. Brian from downtown says, nope, you got to be consistent. So the point is this, Adrian. Nobody will ever be happy because if we refer to it as X, as Brian from downtown suggested, A.S. Debon thinks we've caved and uh, we are taking directives from somebody. I don't know who, but somebody. If we stay with Twitter tweets and we don't call it X, then some people are going to say, well, listen, it's no longer that, why do you still refer to it as that? That's, that's a thing of the past. So no matter what, Adrian, you can't win. There's always, in this business, there's always going to be people upset with any decision you try to make. So you know what? The heck with it. Do whatever you want to do, and, and who cares, right?
1: That's right. If you want to call your team we, if you want to call them us, you know, go for it, right? I mean, we can't
0: please everybody. Exactly. And Esteban, all I've got to say for you is, if you're going to get upset, at least call it Twitter and not Twitter and at least call me a wuss and not a woos please just uh you know i mean it just it's it's not that tough just take a second or two and spell check and and just go from there because if i really read like what he tweet what 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 he said it's uh, it's a complete disaster
1: and uh, respond with pinky while you're at it
0: please yeah. yeah how about uh you know your buddy pinky you guys are you know you want you you won this auction you want pinky to host the show we said no we want both of you to host together at least have the courtesy of getting back to him and coming in with him. That's, that's right. it. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, Esteban. If you don't want to get on the microphone, that's your business. But I want to at least get a chance to meet you that day when you bring Pinky in so we can at least get a chance to see what you look like instead of hiding behind that cell phone that you uh, that you message us from all this time.
1: Well, actually, now that you say that, it would be hilarious if we had on not mic'd but in our studio, since he was our uh, highest bidder for the A and A All the Way charity softball game, the silent auction that happened, and he was like in the corner just tweeting like throughout the whole show, like he doesn't say a word but he's just tweeting.
0: That would be fun, live tweeting. Yes, while we're doing it,
1: and we're watching the magic happen uh, while we're here.
0: I'm fine with that too. I couldn't care less if he wants to get on the microphone or not. Just show up with him. That's all. Be there, make an appearance with Pinky. Pinky will do all the talking. He has yeah, Pinky is not at a loss for words ever when it comes to anything like that. So I'm fine with that too. That works. That definitely works. All right, final hour underway here on Sports Talk. Good to have you back on this Monday edition of the program. Five zero five six zero zero nine. That is our telephone number. Uh, there are a couple of stories that are very disturbing today. Okay, the Wander Franco allegations that uh, he has had a relationship with a 14 year old is really really disturbing and bad. And if it turns out to be true, his career as you know it is probably over. And to think about the you know stardom that he is in the middle of in in Tampa and how this could completely um, you know put him behind bars number one but also number two uh, kill his career which has so much promise at the age of what 22 years old is mind-blowing to me so when that story broke over the week yesterday um, I didn't really understand what was going on but I guess things have now spread on social media Twitter uh, as you call it esteban X as others are now referring to it but the point is it's broke uh, it broke on social and uh, Instagram and, and and other platforms and He is not on the road trip this week with the Rays. He is on the restricted list. And, um, you know, again, it's alleged. We don't know for sure uh, the extent of the relationship. We don't know for sure the documented age of the person in question. But if it turns out that she is an underage minor and at 14, like what's been rumored, uh, that could be the last you ever hear of Juan De Franco on a baseball diamond.
1: Yeah, this is uh, horrible. I mean, just horrible for every... I, I hate this story that's going on right now. You hate to hear anything like this. You feel first for the victim if this was true and everything like that. And then also you want to learn more from the investigation. So now we just have to sit and wait. And from a baseball standpoint, couldn't come at a worse time for the Rays. I mean, they, they've been decimated as far as their pitching goes. Uh, they've uh, had guys in and out of the rotation and guys who are just out for the season based on injury and now you have something completely non-injury related and something that can completely derail this entire season that they worked so hard to build up uh, due to something coming off the field that is as serious as this this is just really disturbing news
0: meanwhile the other crazy story that broke this afternoon was uh, Michael Orr the uh, former NFL star who was the feature of the movie that was almost 15 years old the blind side. He apparently petitioned a Tennessee court today with allegations that a central element of the story was a lie concocted by the family to enrich itself at his expense. This is a crazy story because if this is true and what saying is correct, then basically he is going to learn that the last, what, 14, uh, 20 years or so of uh, his life have been, um, you know, nothing like he expected. And what he thought was was that he was adopted by the family. And in retrospect, what he's contending was that he signed a document back in oh four, so 19 years ago, when he turned 18, making um, his uh, adopted parents his conservators which gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name, but never actually adopted him. And if this is true, wow, what a, uh, you know, just again, that would be, uh, you know, considering this was one of the most popular sports movies of the time, and everybody knows the story. To find out the story is a lie, and this was only just a business deal, that would be um, about as bad as it gets,
1: right? I mean, one of the uh, biggest things about the Blind Side was the fact that it was based on a true story, or so we thought. You know, at the time when we watched that movie for the first time, and I thought that it did a great job of just uh, warming a lot of people's hearts around the sport, or just around. You know, you didn't even have to like sports; you could just watch the movie, and it's just a feel-good movie overall. But to know that, um, you know, a lot of the background of that is being in question right now. I mean, that movie loses all credibility with me right now, and it's just a horrible incident if that's actually true. I mean, for the Tui family to take advantage of the name that Michael Orr uh, built to, you know, he obviously had to have the skills at the college level to translate to the NFL in order for his story to be uh, told and written the way it was supposed to. And the fact that now it's all being questioned because of this is a really bad thing.
0: Well, especially when you realize that he discovered this for the first time in February of this year, when he learned that the conservatorship to which he consented on the basis that doing so would make him a member of the Tui family, in fact, provided no familial relationship with the TUIs and instead gave them the rights to do business deals. Now that's the case. And actually they never, why would you not file adoption papers? That's the one thing I don't understand. Do you,
1: I have no under, I have no clue on this one, but they were trying to be greedy. I think that greed drove all of this and including the, the deal, Um, the deal paid them and their two children birth children, by the way, Steve, I'm talking about the two millions of dollars in royalties from the movie, the blind side that earned over $300 million Ower got not much for this story. And so he right now is seeking uh, royalties from all that, you know, his story was, you know, his story had out there when it was all said and done.
0: Yeah. And that again, I mean, we've, if you've watched the movie, you know, the story, you understand it, but you know, it's, it's rough, and, and I guess uh, Orr has a new book out, and he has claimed that uh, the film depicting his life has been a large source of some of his deepest hurt and pain over the past 14 years. Imagine if one of the most popular movies turns out to be nothing more than a lie, and the people you thought had taken you in to be your, you know, adoptive parents, or just trying to ultimately, in the long run, make uh, make money off your story and your name.
1: Yeah, that's uh, disgusting, right there. Um, they, you know, the the Tuohys have continued to call or their adopted son. They've used it to promote their foundation. Uh, the wife, Leanne Tui's work. Uh, she is now an author and a motivational speaker. She uses Michael Orr's story as her backbone in a. A lot of these conversations and a lot of these stories that she continues to write. So not only have they profited off him in the past, will they continue to do so now?
0: Let's put it this way, okay? In the movie, he was portrayed as unintelligent. So then that's what starts to uh, essentially be the storyline for his you know, NFL career. People are wondering if he's really like that. Um, then he learns he's the only member of the family not receiving royalty checks from the movie. And then he realizes he wasn't adopted in part of the family to begin with. I mean, that's just, wow. again, that's uh, that, that's an absolute shocker when it's all said and done. And by the way, he, re- he made a lot of money as an NFL player. It wasn't like, uh, you know, he didn't make money. He did. But think about the amount of money... That the family made when ultimately, if they were really doing something good, like what was perceived, you would have... Brought him in and let him get a piece of the pie like everybody else.
1: So the dad, Sean Tui, he told the Daily Memphian uh, that he was stunned by the allegations today and said that the Tui's quote didn't make any money off the movie and only had a share of the proceeds from the Michael Lewis book, which the foundation, uh, which was the foundation for the film. So they called it devastating and all this. So they're trying to deny, deny all these allegations right now, Steve. It'll be interesting to see what ends up uh coming out when the court proceedings continue to
0: follow. It will be. And by the way, if you're having, you know, if you're ever wondering uh, what kind of money uh Michael Orr made as a football player, um he he did well. He had a 3-year $21 million deal, he had a 2-year $7 million deal, he had a 4-year $20 million deal, like a lot of different money. he's he's made a, a ton of money. But as he's claimed um, you know, as much money as he's made, I guess he feels now that the entire storyline behind his success was a fabrication.
1: His, his image is fractured permanently because of this. I mean, really, if you if you take a step back and you just look at Michael Oher and what he brought to the table, I mean, people just know what they've seen in a movie that is loosely based on a true story, and now we find that that story isn't really true. So just really, I, it's disturbing if this is true. I don't like it whatsoever, and I also don't like the fact that uh, he found out that he was the only member of the family not receiving royalty checks from the movie itself.
0: Can you imagine that? I know, but listen okay he made 34.5 million dollars during his career so the point is despite everything that he said today if michael or invests his money properly he is set for life and so will his in the next few generations of his family i mean 34 and a half million dollars is a lot of money it's a lot of money for a career so again i understand where he's coming from and if this is true You know, shame on the Tui family because uh, that is a crime that they have been benefiting off his name for almost 15, 20 years. But the good news is Michael Orr still, despite all the perceptions, had a nice 10-year NFL career and made 35 million dollars
1: yeah great success story despite all of this right here he wrote his own story he didn't need a movie or exactly. a, or another book to write his story he wrote his own story and what he was able to do on and off the field and he has books to
0: show for that as well
1: so he it's not about the money it seems like this is more about ridding their name from his name
0: well and I would like to also know during that conservatorship, Did the family get any of that $35 million, or is that all of his? I'd love to know how that worked.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, because what if they get a cut?
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, 18 passed. More in a moment as Sports Talk continues. First, though, we'll go to Charlie One. Let's get ourselves – actually, no Charlie this hour. We'll come back, though. More in a moment. 600 ESPN El Paso. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. 505-6009. Zero nine, 9 here on sports talk. All right. Um, huh. Got more coming up. I believe, uh, Jesse Tovar and Bo Bagley are on their way from prep one, the El Paso sports commission to talk about a big, uh, all day event out at uh, the Coliseum this weekend to, uh, give all of the fall high school teams, the opportunity to, uh, showcase themselves, meet members of the media and talk about uh, their upcoming seasons, which uh, are going to be pretty big as well. And Jesse's done very well with himself for a uh, prep one over the uh, last five six years. He's really built that into the preeminent uh, high school prep um, uh, showcase outlet there is. I mean, think about what they've done on social media. They've uh, they've got reporter, actually, they've got photographers everywhere promoting the kids. The idea is just trying to make it easier for uh, high school kids to get college scholarships that's the name of the game so uh, uh, Jesse I think has just arrived and uh, we'll bring him into the show uh, with prep one as we continue and then uh, Bo Bagley will be uh, joining us here uh, in just a little bit have a seat Jesse it's great to see you again grab a headset and uh, stop in say hello and uh, man happy Monday and isn't it crazy school is already back right now and Uh, before you know it the high school uh, sports season will be here there's actually some headsets right on that microphone for you so you'll be good uh, right there but hey listen uh, thanks for coming by and uh, you got a big event coming up at the coliseum this weekend don't you
5: oh yeah man very very excited it's our it's our fourth annual uh prep one top dogs media day uh started about in 2020 one of our photographers you know came up with this idea you know we're getting sought after by a lot of the athletes like hey my son lost his season can you guys take some pictures of him in uniform that's the only time we're going to see him in uniform and before you know it it just we started contacted coaches and and uh we we hosted our first event over at top view fitness and and that was a great that was a great event in itself
0: and that's how it all started how long has prep one been going on five years we just hit our five year anniversary i still
5: i still feel we're in our infancy stages uh we're still developing and growing uh just networking really well and connecting with the right people
0: Did this start because as you were trying to help your daughter get an opportunity to play college soccer at the Division one level um, you started thinking to yourself well if I'm if I'm doing all this for her maybe there's other people around town that I can really help out in the same model like I've like I've been working on for all those years uh, trying to help her out
5: <laughs> yeah you know what v- very close actually I, I was just helping her but I was getting contacted by parents on mm-hmm. Facebook a- asking me if if I could help their athlete at the time I was like I'm, I'm a soccer dad what do I know about helping anybody else from any sport much less volleyball softball football I, I never even thought of it uh as the the messages kept progressing and and, and parents kept on insisting i started working with a, a few athletes and it mm-hmm. worked uh and and uh the process is very similar uh, across all uh, all sports you know you, you gotta you know change up a little a couple of things because of roster sizes stuff like that and, sure. and but but It's very similar as long as the the athlete and the family is committed to the process.
0: Are you amazed at how fast this has grown in that amount of time? Because now you've got photographers at every game. You're taking pictures everywhere. You're trying to promote athletes. I mean, really, this is more about giving athletes an opportunity to get exposure Get an opportunity to play college, whether they walk on or they get a scholarship the chances to play at the next level, and how many uh, student athletes at all sports are now are now part of uh, what this network has turned into
5: you know absolutely and, and going back to two thousand and twenty you know we were i think that year uh, prep one we had pictures that we took at, at ball games in eighteen out of the thirty two local high school yearbooks because nobody had a yearbook staff, everybody mm-hmm. was at home, and we were the only ones out there. Take, and of course with with the other uh media me, media people our our photos we we uh they were everywhere and just um things that have developed ever since the the relationship with you know the 915 showcase with you guys you know uh, uh started the wave of love over at Jefferson and just so many wonderful things and experiences uh, uh, being part of Prep One.
0: Did you have concerns that this would not survive after COVID because so many things could not uh, exist following the pandemic, or were you pretty confident that you had enough in place that you could withstand uh, what was a a very tough year of, of no sports for for so many different people?
5: You know, when no sports and no film, it surged. It surged, and my my phone was blowing up. My phone was blowing up left and right. Can you help? And some athletes are just not ready. Ready for the process, they're just not mature enough to handle it because it's just so many components and it's so demanding. Uh, but at, at the same time, uh, there's a lot of athletes that get it and families that get it, and it's what you put on film. And nowadays, it, it got it's been a, it, it's changed a little bit with the NIL and the transfer portal. Now you have high school athletes transferring high schools just like colleges, so it's trickled down. It's and it's only a matter of time. I I, I think that before high school athletes
0: will start getting some endorsements here. I, I think so too. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, as as we continue uh, talking about Prep One's media day, I've got Paul Bagley on the phone lines right now. He's on the 6. Hundred ESPN El Paso Roto Rooter hotline and uh, joining us from the El Paso Sports Commission is Bo Bagley. Bo, uh, welcome back to the program. And uh, I know uh, you're excited like we are about uh, what's going to be uh, a pretty big day this Sunday, uh, media day at the uh, Coliseum.
6: Absolutely, this is going to be our gosh, Jesse. Is it going to be our third or fourth? Third,
0: fourth, like fourth overall. By. Uh,
5: yeah, yeah. Fourth overall, third at the Coliseum.
6: Uh, so excited that this is kind of our our official kickoff for the high school football season. Though we did have a kickoff last weekend at Charlie Clark Nissan for the Greater El Paso Football Showcase, and just excited to kind of kick off football this whole month. You know, we're gearing up for Football Friday Night uh, Prep One's doing a great job gearing up for uh, for high school football, and we're just excited to uh, kind of kick it off uh, with all the the high school football teams your teams over at the county coliseum this weekend
0: that's right and by the way this is going to be a massive event inside the coliseum right you're going to have the entire arena taken up from uh, 10 a.m to 4 p.m
6: that's right the whole arena is dedicated to high school football so once again for the third year um jesse and prep one's got a little bit of everything we've got 360 uh, cameras um you know it's just kind of a way of Considering like high school football with uh, think of it as like a Super Bowl for high school football and all of our local teams. This is just a great way to kind of kick it off and, uh, and get all the, the, the top players and top cheerleaders and all these seniors uh, as a way to kind of celebrate
0: the starts of the season. Jesse, that's something you've been interested in—not just the the football, but the cheering aspect of it as well, right?
5: Yeah, we had a cheer for the first time last year. Uh, the last two years, uh, they had been blowing us up. Like, when are you guys going to give us our? Are, I mean, we we want to showcase everybody. Uh, this year, we want to add—you know—a media day for uh, swimming, golf, and tennis because we—they never get a, a media day, and we, we've been sought after by those parents. But yes, yeah, not you know, in, in Texas, football reigns supreme. Uh, we added cheer, uh, very deservingly so. They're they're out there all, every Friday night as well. And uh, it, it's been a really, really good, good uh, attachment to to the football uh, media day. Last year, we had vo- last few years we had volleyball attached to to football media day, and it just got so big that they're going to have their own media day coming up in September. And uh, you know, we do. I leave it up to the coaches to select these athletes. So we ask parents, like, not to complain because these are the top prospects. You know, athletes you got you got to pay your dues, and mm-hmm. and they want to showcase the 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 best of the best, if not their seniors. That's
0: the way it should be. I like that. Yeah. More with Jesse, more with Bo, as we hit the bottom of the hour. But first, right back to Adrian. Let's get one last uh, Sports Center update. We're back right now with uh, Jesse Tovar from Prep One, Bo Bagley from the Coliseum and the Sports Commission, talking about. Prep One's Media Day, uh, which is going to be at the El Paso County Coliseum, and also uh, brought to you by Top Dogs as well. Sunday, the 20th, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., $5 general admission. Kids 6 and under get in for free, free parking as well. Bo, what, tell me a little bit about the setup. Will you be having concessions there during that time? What uh, what are you going to have at the Coliseum?
6: Absolutely. There will be food and drink. Our concessions will be open. So really want to invite the entire community This is a community event. We're the community building um, at the County Coliseum. And what a great way to kick off high school football. So, yes, we'll have food and drinks available. Um, Everybody will be able to sit in the stands, watch their their kids, loved ones, um, and uh, take some pictures, do some interviews, and uh, have a fun way to kick off uh, off the, the entire high school football season. And, once again, free parking. So once again, open to the entire community just five taller general admission and free parking going to be a lot of fun
0: jesse you uh, you you know you just heard both say it right there uh, the parents can sit in the stands, they can watch the festivities as it starts to develop, and then on the floor will be coaches, players, and i 'm assuming members of the media
5: yeah correct and and all members of the media are invited last year, we tried something new. we tried the parents on the floor and it was a lot of fun. we had a great con a lot of, a lot of conversation, but just A lot of people, it was a lot of, it started getting a little crowded. Uh, You know, uh, some parents started, uh, it was a serious face pose and they would tell their athlete to smile, fix their hair. And we're like, no, that's, that's the the method of the. Of the the theme of that of that shot, so we decided this year it'd be better if uh, we just keep um, the floor as clear as possible because it's like media row down there, like a Super Bowl media row. We have we have six different stations of photographers. We have Tony Alamon and Top Dogs up on stage. We have the Prep One letters. We'll have several several other uh, podcasts going on, so it's it's a lot of fun.
1: Jesse, when it comes to this event, I kind of feel like this kicks off the whole year. Like this is the last time you'll get to have players and coaches very candid all in one spot and one location. And after this, this is the time to lock in and get ready for the season. Do you kind of feel like that's the case for most of these coaches? They feel more forthcoming at this point versus when you're getting into the season. It's all about being locked in and uh, playing all these games on Friday nights.
5: Yeah, but this year we're starting a little late. We hosted it a little bit late. It was the only available date that the Coliseum had because we usually hosted, earlier on in august and we didn't want to go into you know interfere with the scheduling they're already going to have one scrimmage under their belt uh, by the time media day rolls around they're like four or five days away from their first game so we understand the game planning the war planning that these coaches have to plan and they don't want any distractions during the week and we're not trying to be a distraction but this is actually the last event that we bug them on till the showcase in november
0: Now, will this be open to just varsity? Will there be freshman teams attending as well from all the high schools?
5: No, this is pretty much a showcase of the best of the best, the top prospects that every school uh, selects, the coaches. Uh, if If not the top prospect, they usually go with seniors. So, we, we leave it up to the coaches. And, uh, you know, they, they, they,
0: they usually pick the, the right guys. Do you get every single high school in the area to come by and represent themselves for this?
5: Yes, we've had a, a pretty much a 100% success rate. Every, I think every media day, there's been maybe one or two out of the 33 high schools. We're talking the ones with football programs in the area. And we want to include, you know, later on, uh, you know, Chaparral and, and the Las Cruces schools. Uh, but right now, you know, the 32, uh, 33 uh, high schools that, that have, including Emmanuel Christian with their six men, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to, you know, they participate. We have almost 100 participation rate, and the other ones because they just they just can't. Or uh, I think this year uh, we have one cancellation so far, but everybody's locked on, everybody's in.
0: That's great, mm-hmm. Bo. What a great idea for you too to come by in your own backyard and get a little extra prep work in, since you're going to be anchoring our coverage for football Friday night here uh, in less than two weeks.
6: And can't wait too. Boy, there's some fantastic prospects in this city. Some really good teams. As, uh, as everybody knows, you know Pebble Hills really made a name for themselves last year. I'd like to see if they can continue uh, that stride uh, Franklin with Shay Smith at quarterback, see what he can do um, and really just talent all over the city so it's going to be a lot of fun to see all this talent in one place before the season starts
0: excellent uh by the way i'll ask the two of you the same question. Uh, Jesse, do you feel like this year in particular, El Paso has more, less, or about the same number of uh, D1 football prospects compared to what we've had in recent years?
5: Oh, man, the, the class of 2024, which is the seniors this year, they're loaded. And and we're excited. The future's bright. I mean, El Paso, you, right now you have two sophomores. They're 2026s, and they already have D1 offers with uh, Ray, Ray Estrada over at, at, at uh, El Dorado and and um and the kid over at, at Chapin, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know he's just he's a, he's such a these these kids are just getting big, bigger, better, faster, and there's a lot of there's a lot of them out there that uh, are doing the right they, and they're attending the right camps because you never used to hear that these camp these kids are going across the state to attend all these football camps and that's what they're doing. Davion Singleton, the, uh, Davion Singleton, the prospect yes, out of, out of yes. Chapin.
0: So you think it's this is going to be a pretty loaded year when we talk about uh, potential college football players?
5: You know, uh, with with uh, back uh, two years ago with uh, Jeremiah Cooper and Tavares Jones, they, they took us for a, a crazy ride, a treat. I mean, both of them with over 20 D1 offers, and it was really neat to watch and never heard of that. And I think it started, you know, before that with Aaron Dumas, and it was just so so great to see so many kids receive so many D one offers. But now it's like everyone is stepping up to the plate and, and getting their exposure, the exposure they need.
0: That's fantastic. But yes. what about you? What do you think?
6: And I almost feel like they're more underclassmen receiving Division one offers, and that goes back to the success rate of the Greater El Paso football showcase prep one getting their names out there. Um, and overall talent across the city, more coaches are coming in doing scouting, and they're seeing a lot of these young kids. Um, and so I'd say almost more Division One offers you see for the underclassmen, which is really exciting for the city
1: guys i want to ask both of you all another question about resources so we're doing good up to this point what else do these coaches need what else do these players need as far as resources in order uh, for us to get more d1 offers or more prospects to be found here in el paso
0: well
6: say fox sports
1: regional (laughs) regional
6: coverage around the state of texas um you know el paso is thought of as you know, maybe New Mexico or even Arizona if you're if you're living in Houston, um, more access to the rest of the state, I think that would be good. And I think Dave Campbell has tried his best. Fox Sports has had some of the Ford built uh, tough uh, Ford tough players of the week out here. But um, I think more and better access would be fun.
5: Uh, Jesse, what do you think? Yeah, no, no, definitely. And you hit it right on the on the head. You know, with, with Dave Campbell's, they they were out here. Matt Stepp was out here a couple of years ago, and and uh, they're always profiling. You know, the stadiums out here. You know, Arnar Jones Stadium and. And yeah you're absolutely right and and the thing is uh, hats off to these high school coaches right? because they are working hard to get these kids they're talking to coaches or they're sending emails on behalf of their players and we have a great relationship with all of our coaches and we, we support them one hundred percent and and there's this year there was there was a little turnaround in, in high school I think there was six uh, changes and and uh, luckily we, we continue having good relationships with them
0: How many uh, photographers right now do you have at uh, prep One?
5: I believe uh, as of last night, we because we're, we're getting ready for media today, I, th- I believe we have twenty seven right now. Good lord, twenty seven! Well,
6: Adrian and Steve, that sounds about uh, how, how many uh, football Friday night reporters we have. So uh,
5: that
6: sounds about pretty <laughs> I'm good, par. Right? Yeah, there yeah, you that's go.
0: that 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 sounds that sounds uh, incredible. That, well, it's grown in that capacity, I'm yes, sure. Sir. What's what's the future hold for a Prep One? Where do you see this thing going?
5: Well, you know what? We we've made great strides in the last six months. We're we're talking to a lot of people, a lot of people that 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 had never heard of the Showcase or Prep One, and and. They're out there reaching They want to know a little bit more about it. They want to be more involved. So the sky's the limit, and we're going to continue helping uh, student-athletes. And, and I love working with my parents. I love my parents. Uh, so I talk to parents probably more than the athletes at times. And uh, it's just a matter of uh, continuing to give these kids the opportunities, the exposures through our football camp that we, we host annually in June to you know these media days where we do it all, all for the kids. But this is where Prep 1 stops because after uh, – after media day we do not bug the coaches or the players for any photos we don't we do not want to be a distraction for for the programs,
0: are you amazed that it's already turned into this after five years? It's
5: it's amazing, and and some people I, I've been contacted by other cities, and 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 they they pick my brain as far as how I do it, how we we've done it, and if it wasn't for the the, color, the collaboration, the partnerships that we have with you guys, and and the top dogs over at LAT Studios with Tony Aleman and and all the photographers and all of our media friends here, I think we have our our athletes here spoiled. For us not to be considered as good as the rest of texas because you know traditionally you know we buy out by you know regional super regionals and and you know we're we're, we're out of the playoffs mm-hmm. and we're getting closer i mean every yeah. year i mean we're we're competing and we're getting closer and we're very excited about about certain schools this year and uh but it, it seems like every year it's just getting bigger and and we're all uh, we're all one town
0: You've got a little yeah. one with you does she play ball
5: yeah, yeah you know what she plays uh she's a, my daughter is a little sister and she actually we, the tradition that started over at uh, at Jefferson High School was because she was under care back in 2017. I look out the window and I see Silver Fox Stadium. I have a conversation with Ed Stansbury uh, about a week later. Uh, he contacts people at UMC. I contact Coach Martinez. The rest is history. And the wave of love here in El Paso, adapted from Iowa's, of course, uh, was born. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, now, uh, what position uh, do you play in soccer? Um, I'm assuming point Oh, oh you, play, you play? Baseball, uh, play baseball, basketball, basketball, point guard. Yeah. Excellent. She um, used to play soccer. <laughs> so you, you switched from here. Get a little closer to the microphone and introduce yourself. Tell everybody who you are.
4: I'm Ivana Tobar.
0: Ivana, you tell me. You play basketball, right? Now you started soccer. You went uh, to, to basketball. Mm-hmm. How do you like playing the point?
4: Um, I like it. I like shooting a lot, and I love shooting. Just... How,
0: how's your shot? Pretty good? <laughs> how many How many shots do you try to take a day to practice?
4: Mm, it's just skills, and then after practice, I stay to scrimmage and shoot around.
0: Okay. What grade are you in? Ninth. Fantastic. So you have, you have what three years left, and then after that, is your dream to play uh, to play college basketball?
4: Um, I'm thinking about college soccer now. Are you?
0: Sure. Oh, she's Uh-oh. going back. To I senior. like that. <laughs> she's switching back and forth. Now, uh, you tell me would you would you want to stay here and be a minor, or is there another school in, that you have in mind? Where are you thinking of going?
4: Um, it just depends. If I get an offer here, maybe. If not, then it's okay.
0: Tell me this much. Your dad's done some pretty amazing things over the last five years. Uh, that means when he started this, you were in fourth grade. Mm. What's uh, Prep 1 like? What does it mean to you?
4: It's honestly really cool having my dad as it and inspiring players and helping players get to college and also my sister.
0: She's doing really well, isn't she? Yes. Tell everybody how Love's doing.
4: Um, She's doing good. She's playing at St. Mary's in San Antonio now, and she loves playing there with her teammates. She has good friendships. and
0: fantastic that's that's what this whole thing that's how it started and that's how it's turned into jesse it's pretty remarkable
5: yeah i don't think she expected to be i didn't expect her to be on on the air either but thank you
0: everybody who sits in gets an opportunity media day sunday el paso county coliseum 10 to 4 and uh, again prep one uh, going to be uh, combining with the el paso sports commission and uh, bo bagley both thanks for giving us some time i'll look forward to seeing you here in a couple of weeks for the start of football friday night
6: likewise can't wait thanks guys
0: Jesse, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having us, man. Thank you. You got it. We'll wrap it up next. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.